Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I'm coming to you with another FHD Vault episode for you. We just had round one, super wildcard weekend of the playoffs of the 2023 season. Well, it's a 2022 season, but it's in 2023. So what I'm going to do is for this FHD Vault episode, let's go back to the very first ever NFL playoff game. Enjoy. At the time when Franklin Delano Roosevelt was elected on November 8, 1932, the country was ravished by the Great Depression. This destruction spread to the NFL, a time when it was uncertain if the league would survive, only having eight teams at this time. Now this happened to be the lowest number in NFL history. However, just as Roosevelt's New Deal helped save this country, an event happened during the 1932 NFL season that propelled the league out of a survival mode, giving it a fighting chance, and it all revolved around a playoff game. Welcome to the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. Your host is Arnie Chapman. Football is his passion, and he wants you to come along with him to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board his DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. This time as we step off a DeLorean, the date is December 18th, 1932, and we are at Chicago Stadium in Chicago, Illinois. But don't worry guys, we are indoors. Now it might be frigid cold outside, but this is going to be a game that will definitely go down in NFL history. But why do we care about some random indoor game in the middle of December? I mean, this happens all the time across the United States and the NFL right now, doesn't it? Oh, but back then, now this was a huge deal. It was a huge deal for a couple different reasons. You see, the biggest thing was this happened to be the first ever playoff game in the NFL. We got to back it up a little bit because we got to kind of figure out the reason why this is the first playoff game in the NFL. I mean, I thought it started back in 1920, right? And it did. You see, from 1920 until 1932, the league champion was just given to the team that had the best record. So remember, there wasn't even a set amount of games that was played on the schedule for each team. I mean, some teams could play 13 games, some could play 8, some could play 14, 16, whatever it was. It didn't matter. They could even play outside of the NFL. So it's a little bit different than it is nowadays where we have set schedules and we pretty much know what's going to happen the next year based on standings and that kind of thing. However, the NFL was still young. But 1932 definitely made an impact on the trajectory and the future of the NFL playoffs and how we look at the championship today. So that first year, though, speaking of championships, the title was given to the Akron Pros because they had a record of 8-0-3. Now, they never lost a game, but of course, you know, they had three ties, but later on, we figure out that that didn't matter. So the second year, the championship was awarded to the Chicago Staleys with a 9-1-1 record. But the Buffalo Americans, they had a 9-1-2 record. So to me, I mean, this is like thinking, yeah, it makes sense that Chicago Staley's would have won because they had a 9-1-1 record and the other guys had one more tie. Wait a second, maybe the Buffalo Americans should have had it. Well, I don't know. Maybe that would have been the perfect time to initiate the first ever playoff game. However, this was not the case. The officials of the NFL, they did not decide on a playoff game or even a championship game for that matter. The then president, Joe Carr, 
he would choose a champion. He would select and award the NFL championship. Well, at the time, it wasn't, you know, the APFA and all that kind of thing. But he would award it to the Chicago Staley's, which later then became the Chicago Bears for their first NFL title. So, of course, this was controversial at the time. I mean, how do you just decide to give one team the championship over the other team and just kind of willy-nilly without any kind of recourse or that kind of thing? I mean, I almost even look at it like the Buffalo Americans had a better record because they had a 9-1-2 as opposed to the Chicago Staley's with a 9-1-1. So, uh, give or take apples, dozens, oranges, and all that kind of thing. But we just had a time when they had an opportunity just set the story straight. Let's just start having playoffs right then and there. But for the next decade, it would be the same. So going back to when I discussed the whole ties thing, how it didn't really matter, ties did not count as an official, you know, in the standings until 1972. So the league basically just disregarded that one tie by the Staley's and the two ties by the All-Americans. In their eyes, it was nine and one record. So yeah, they had to make some kind of decision. President Joe Carr, Maybe made the right choice, maybe didn't, who knows. But that didn't matter, because we would flip up until 1932. So this was the beginning of an anxious group of owners, and they were oblivious to what was about to unfold at the end of the season, which possibly saved the future of the NFL forever. Because, like we discussed at the beginning of this episode, we're kind of deep-rooted heart in the uh, Great Depression. Teams are losing money. They're about to go bankrupt. I mean, at the beginning of the season, they actually gained the Boston Braves, but they lost three other teams. The Providence Steamrollers, the Cleveland Indians, and the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets all disbanded, leaving the NFL with only eight teams in the league, which was the lowest in NFL history. So something had to happen. I mean, even the Boston Braves that joined lost many of their controlling owners, losing a lot of money. So thankfully, George Preston Marshall, he would keep the team going, which later would end up moving the team to Washington and they would form as the Washington Redskins. However, it didn't much matter at the time because they were still worried that the NFL would just disband altogether. However, even though they were worried about it, this happened to be the first season that the league kept official stats. And that may be the case, but that wasn't the most important event that happened in the 1932 season. There was something else that would become much, much more important that would overshadow anything else that could have happened in the 1932 season and possibly everything else leading up to that, except for maybe that meeting that they had in the Hupmobile auto ship over there. And it possibly saved the NFL, just like that New Deal helped save America. And of course, this leads us to the 1932 playoff game. But before I get into it, There's a little video from Pro Football Hall of Fame that has the original program from the game. Now, this is one of probably only a few in existence, so it's a very rare item. They stated in the Pro Football Hall of Fame video that the one that they have there survived a fire at the Chicago headquarters back in the 60s. And I included a link to this video and many other cool things about this episode in the show notes, which, by the way, you can get to the show notes through your podcast player or by heading to thefootballhistorydude.com. Also, please subscribe for free to this show by mashing that little subscribe button on your podcast player of choice. That way you get the hottest, freshest out the press episodes each and every week. So now we are officially at the 1932 championship game. The game would be between the Portsmouth Spartans, 
which are now the Detroit Lions, and the Chicago Bears. Both had a 6-1 and one record. Well, n- not actually 6-1, and one, but according to the official NFL standings, it was 6-1. and one. I mean, the Spartans had a 6-1-4 and four record, and the Bears held a 6-1-6 and six record. So like I said, not exactly the same, but ties did not count in the official NFL standings until 1972. So as far as the NFL was concerned, the Spartans had a 6-1 and one record, and the Bears had a 6-1 and one record. So we had two more teams again that are tied for the potential NFL crown. So this is where the little side note comes in. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, they had a 10-3-1 record. So on one hand, I'm thinking they had four more wins than both the Spartans and the Bears. However, they also had two more losses, but then the ties were different. So it's like, it doesn't make sense. I can't wait until we get until the point where we're all having the same amount of games. But we digress, and we will get to that a little bit later. So after the final games, and the Spartans and the Bears had the, you know, same standings, the league office was all like, you know, ruh-roh. Uh, what are we going to do now? We don't want this controversy that we had back in 1921 or even 1925. I mean, there's going to be more on these uh, controversies in later episodes. They had to do something. They did not want to deal with that again. The fans were already not happy with the NFL as far as, well, not necessarily the NFL. It was just, life sucks, man. I got no money. It's going through this Great Depression. I'm eating dirt cakes and stuff, and I, I can't afford to go to a game. So they had to think of something to do that would create the buzz, but at the same time, appease both teams as well as the fans to create an official NFL champion. So under the leadership of Joe Carr, the uh, president at the time, the officials decided that they would have a, quote, one-game playoff to determine the league champion, which, at the time, was like, um, (laughs) man, I don't know. Seems like a good idea, right? You know, I guess there's a lot of risk involved if no one shows up or whatever, but uh, it also could be a win-win kind of conversation here. You know, no controversy, extra revenue for the league. What's there to lose? Other than the fact that if nobody shows up, they spend all this money for the players and the fans and all that stuff and possibly could be the demise of the NFL. However, that didn't happen because we're still here. So let's get to that game. The first playoff game in the history of the NFL. But even with it being the, you know, the first playoff game in the NFL, it was really considered more of like a championship game and technically really a regular season game because for some reason they decided to, well, we're just going to add the win and loss, you know, (laughs) to the regular season standings. So that way we still crown our champion based off standings. But like I said, again, the Spartans and the Bears ended the season at six and one record. So they didn't care about ties. They had to figure out how to get this regular season standings just, you know, where one of them was on top. So they created this game. And the game was set to be played at Wrigley Field, the home of the Chicago Bears. And I was sitting there trying to figure out, I'm like, well, how did you determine that it should be at Chicago Stadium? Already, it just doesn't seem like it's necessarily fair because you've got the Portsmouth Spartans who have to travel into Chicago. But think about it this way. And this is the same way the league was thinking about it. Chicago is like, you know, 100 times or so bigger than that little tiny town of Portsmouth, Ohio. So the Spartans agreed, well, we're going to travel to Chicago because we have a lot better chance of having bigger crowds. Again, this is during the Great Depression. So money played a huge factor and a huge role in the decision of where the game is going to be played. And 
to top it off with that decision, the Spartans would enter that season $27,000 in debt. I mean, that's a lot more back then than it is nowadays. So the extra game, a little bit of a welcome surprise, you know. But as we get towards the game here, there was a blizzard. Deep snow, sub-zero wind chill temperatures come to town. And uh, George Hallis and the company, you know, they're all like, uh, oh man, are they really going to have fans come out and come to this venue with waist-high snow drifts, super chilly weather and stuff, and sit there and watch this game out in the, the winter cold and all that? You know, let's think about something else to do. So they decided to move the football championship NFL playoff game, the first one, whatever you want to call it, to indoors at Chicago Stadium which was the home of the Chicago Blackhawks. So I don't know, To the we got the history.com that was stating that this was at the time the largest indoor sports arena. And it also held the Republican and Democratic conventions of 1932. And it was not totally foreign to the Chicago area as far as football being played because the Bears played the Cardinals in the stadium back in 1930. It's kind of like a a charity game, that kind of thing. But George Hallis, you know, he's still worried a little bit especially because he played there before. He knew there was going to be some limitations of this indoor field. I mean, first of all, it's a modified hockey rink, basically to create this makeshift field. For instance, the field was only 80 yards long and 30 yards more narrow than a normal size field. So basically what it meant was there was 60 yards of field of play and then 20 extra yards for the end zones or something like that, give or take. I'm not exactly sure if they gave the full 10 yards for the end zone or if they kind of narrowed it up a little bit. But either way, this was a much smaller field than a typical 100-yard field with the end zones and everything. Not to mention the width was 30 yards more narrow. The goalposts? They ended up erecting the goalpost at the goal line instead of the back of the end zone, which would stay that way for a while. And this crazy small field meant that they had to have rule changes to accommodate it. The first one was teams would kick off from the 10-yard line, then touchbacks would come out to just the 10-yard line as well. After the team crossed midfield, they would bring the ball back 20 more yards to extend the field. Field goals were also not allowed. Extra points were allowed, but uh, it also made it easier with the goalposts being so close. There was a wall that surrounded the sidelines, you know, like modern-day arena football league, and it was the first time that they used, you know, this hash mark concept where if a player was tackled within 10 yards of the walls or went out of bounds, then they would bring it back to the center of the field. And there were many of these rules that ended up getting adopted to the uh, official NFL play, you know, thereafter for the next season. But we're at the night, the championship game. December 18th, 1932, the official first championship slash playoff game of the NFL. Also, the first regulation indoor game between the Chicago Bears and the Portsmouth Spartans. Like I said, there was a game between the Cardinals and the Bears back in 1930, but that was just for charity, so it didn't count. At this stadium on this night, even though they were super worried no one was going to show up because of the weather, 11,198 fans filled this stadium. But not only was this field modified because of the size, it also was, you know, think about it. There was a concrete floor, six-inch layers of dirt, and tan bark, whatever that is. This is the part that really gets you. It was used the previous two nights by the Salvation Army for a circus. In history.com, they discussed how elephants left, uh, we'll just call it some special treats on the field, and 
there was a manure order that caused at least one Chicago player to get sick on the field and, you know, Ralphing all over the field. He's like, hey, toss me the ball. And oh, oh, wait. Blah. Okay, now I'm ready. Let's do this thing. So with all this being said, things could not get much more strange, right? That is not so. Because the Portsmouth Spartan star, quarterback, and future Hall of Famer, Dutch Clark, he could not attend the game. You're like, wait, that sucks. You know, you got a season-ending injury or something like that, not being able to get to the game or something. But that wasn't the case. The NFL's leading scorer he was in 1932. But he couldn't get the day off of work from his other job to play in this title game. You're like, you serious? They're playing a championship game for the NFL? Think about it now. You know, you got this super mega star quarterback or something, and oh wait, I gotta go bag groceries or something like that, like Kurt Warner back in the day, and you know, I can't get the job off, I gotta work at Kroger. I mean, it wasn't quite the same as that. It was a little bit different situation. Dutch Clark, he was contracted as a head coach, you know, for basketball for his alma mater, Colorado College. Back then, you didn't make as much money, and especially the Great Depression, you had to work some more jobs and stuff, so that's what he did in the offseason. He didn't foresee a playoff game, you know? He was expected to coach against the University of Wyoming that day. College president, Colorado College over there, he's like, no way, dude, I have a contract with you. You still have to coach this game for us. Now think about it nowadays. You got Tom Brady, and they're telling them, you know, a commercial shooter, some other kind of contractor, you know, singing a song, I don't know. Hey, no, that Super Bowl, you can't play in that because we got you in this contract. Yeah, right. He'd be ripping that thing up in front of him saying, I'm going to try to win another. But even though there was no Dutch Clark, it did not matter. The game must go on. So there was controversy from the beginning, and it would continue throughout. The Chicago Bears, they were in their home white jerseys. The Spartans, they donned their purple colored jerseys, and it was on. Now the field conditions, you know, it caused players to lose their footing, and the offense stifled with short fields, and there were eight interceptions in the game, with only five total completions. So there were three more interceptions than there were completions. Totally a defensive struggle. Now remember, field goals are not allowed. So even if you get close, basically you're talking a goal line stand, and, you know, dueling punters and, you know, that kind of thing. We saw in the article where it stated that the balls were booted and thrown into the stands. You know, keep your head on a swivel, just like in baseball. Punted balls were hitting the rafters, bouncing all over the place. Even one hit the keys on the organ. So it was just a kind of a circus-style kind of a football game, as was the previous two nights with the Salvation Army. And the game would remain scoreless for the first three quarters. Then it would turn around with 11 minutes to go. Chicago's Dick Nesbitt intercepted a pass, returned to Portsmouth's seven-yard line. The Bears, they're going to put that rock in the belly of the beast. Big old Bronco Nagurski rumbling and bubbling down to the two-yard line at two runs. Then in the third consecutive time, Bears quarterback, Carl Brumball would hand that ball back to Brock. Brock would run to the line, and he sees this purple wall of Portsmouth defenders. He's like, ah, no thanks. Stop suddenly, step back a few steps, and toss a low pass to the arms of the legend Red Grange for a touchdown. I'm not sure if this was a planned play, you know, similar to the Philly special, or if it was ad hoc and he just figured, well, I got a better shot of doing it this way. And right after this touchdown pass, the Portsmouth coach, George Potsy Clark, he charged the field after the ref made the call, screaming at the ref, stating Brock wasn't five yards behind the line of scrimmage. You know, we talked about this in the Red Grange episode. For some reason, they had a rule where the passer had to be five yards behind the line of scrimmage. 
and of course they did not have instant replay at the time, so the play was not overturned. Then on the next possession, Portsmouth punter Faye Mule Wilson fumbled the snap. The ball rolls through the end zone. Boom. Got a safety for the Chicago Bears. The final score would then be 9 to nothing. Chicago Bears were crowned the NFL champion in the first ever playoff and championship game. And the Portsmouth Times had a headline stating, Sham battle on the Tum Thumb gridiron. Of course, they were not happy with this result. But still, this was an overall success. One of the most important championships in NFL history. Financially, this brought in gate receipts of approximately $15,000. Now, of course, this wasn't a lot compared to nowadays in the Super Bowls. But back then, Great Depression, it's like, ching, you know, catch that register. They probably got the little dial one that gets stuck, you know, kill with a hammer and pop it back open. But doesn't matter. That's a lot of cash and moolah. Now, many things, like I said, were adopted that evolved the NFL closer to what it is today following this game for the 1933 season. Now, it wasn't just because of this game, but officially on February 25th, there of 1933, the NFL discontinued the collegiate rules book where they would start creating their own rule book. So some of the the rules that were actually implemented from this championship game included the following. The hash marks were implemented. Now, the ball was going to actually be placed near the middle of the field for every play, like it is nowadays. The forward pass became legal from anywhere behind the line of scrimmage. Well, you can thank Bronk for that one. The goalposts would end up moving to the front of the end zone. I don't really like that one, but they would end up moving back to the, the end of the, you know, the back of the end zone later on. The owners would also agree to split the league into two divisions. Now, this is critical and have a championship game every year after to determine the league champion. So I say smashing success. Then on July 8th, 1933, this is when the league was officially divided into two divisions with five teams each. And next season, December 17, 1933, the Bears would defeat the New York Giants 23-21 in the first official NFL championship game. With that being said, the Chicago Bears won the first two championship games, and we should all be thankful the Portsmouth Spartans and Chicago Bears had the same record back in 1932 giving us the NFL championship. However, this game being played indoors could have easily blown up in the face of both teams and the league if no fans showed up due to that inclement weather. They did not play scared though, just like the dude we talked about at the beginning of the episode. In his inaugural address on March 4th, 1933, Franklin Roosevelt reminded Americans that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Football History Dude and were able to gain some knowledge nuggets of the game that changed NFL championships forever. In the upcoming episode, we continue on our journey of understanding how the NFL playoffs have evolved into what we are currently in the middle of. But for now, dudes, hop through if you're through. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Football History Dude. To make sure you're the first to get the next episode, Please subscribe on your podcast player of choice and head on over to thefootballhistorydude.com for the show notes and more information on the history of the NFL. And remember, dudes, where we're going, we don't need roads.